prepare the needle for insertion. It's time to get your weekly dose. This is the State of Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. And we're talking pro wrestling today, folks. Yep, we are your one and only dose. Your one and only one-stop shop for that unmistakable, irreplaceable, untraceable performance-enhancing audio. Uh, the Brian Campbell, still the guy that you hear in this Campbell podcast, still reminding you to get on out there and stop being, uh, you've been eating long enough now, stop being greedy and give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume five audio. Thank you, Vicky. Uh, it's a weird time to be a wrestling fan. It's a wild time as we are so close to everything happening just a week away. From the launch of AEW Dynamite, the weekly program, we got NXT on regular television. We got the Fox SmackDown Friday night debut, something like eight or nine days away. So let's chop all that stuff up and the week that was on Raw and SmackDown in WWE proper. And to do that, I'm going to have to bring in my co-host. But first, I want to play you some really gross sound from Magnum TA. Yes! And tell A. Blanchard, you can't run and hide from me anymore. And when we come to Philadelphia this time, there's going to be no mistaking what's going to happen. I'm going to come on you like nobody's ever come oh, on you before. No. no baby doll at your side. Nobody to run distraction for you. Just you and I getting it on like two men should do. Whoa. This isn't some game. <laughs> this is where men are men and the boys stay on the side and watch what's going on. Wow. All right. That's what men do. Let me bring in my co-host. Say hello. To the bad guy. Wow. I don't think I'm ready to talk about anything but how gross that sound was even compared to that Andre sound drop we do. But here is my other half. He's the king of silver, and he hedged a few times. It's Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. I mean, I don't know what's more disgusting, the part of that's what men should do or that he wants boys watching him. I, uh, I mean, which one of those? here I thought I was going to play this Jeff Jarrett sound. It would be the grossest thing you hear today. I'm going to have to apologize ahead of time because I'm going to stretch his ass like it's never been stretched before. Good <laughs> God. What is happening right now? You're I'm, digging into the depths of that soundboard. You have more raw testosterone flowing through your body than an all-male prison. I guess we do today on the show. It's all-male all the time. Um, SK, I have a confession to make. Are you ready for this? Am I ready for what? My conf- It's part two of my confession, unrelated to those gross sound drops. So I'm not setting you up. I'm not trying to trap you here, if you will. Okay. I am sick and tired of playing around with kids. Whoa, whoa, God, what are we doing right now? No, let me put all that gross stuff aside. Thank you, Andre. You cannot do that on my back. Um, This is supposed to be the greatest time of our lives, the third boom period. Good God, we've been talking every episode of this show going back like 52, 83 weeks, brother, about <laughs> now, about this month, about... Yeah. The year of our Lord today about everything that's going to happen. And other weeks I was damn friggin' fired up. Today, as we record this, kind of oversaturated, kind of worn out. Raw SmackDown didn't move me this week. Even things that were supposed to move me, I'm just like, eh, Adam, 
could we already be could we already be at the point where it's like okay enough like I, I only have so many hours a week we're not even in a pay-per-view week right now and yeah. uh like I know it, it's AEW time the revolution's been coming well so had Tully Blanchard apparently but uh <laughs> I, I'm worn down bro I don't have that wrestling fire right now yeah it's getting to me too and I mean I saw a report this week that AEW is thinking of launching a studio show to go along with Dynamite. And I'm just like, please don't. I don't need it. WWE studio show on FS1, like, good, exist. I'll watch the first episode to see what happens with Renee, and I think it's going to be called WWE Backstage. I'm not watching that weekly. 205 Live is going to Friday nights at 10 p.m., reportedly. I'm not watching 205 Live on Friday nights at 10 p.m. So, Adam, let's like, break down what a week could look like on a WWE okay. pay-per-view week, okay? So Sunday night, it's like pay backlash, okay? Potentially, potentially five hours. Okay, five-hour pay backlash on Sunday night. Monday night, Raw, three hours Monday night. Tuesday is let me toggle between, or let me just watch potentially FS1 WWE studio yes, show. If you if you choose to do that, and maybe maybe NXT UK may move that day. We don't know. And I think um, Impact just announced their live two hour show will yes. be uh, on yeah. Access TV on Tuesday nights. Uh, depending on how deep you want to go. Wednesday is the Wednesday Night Wars. AEW launches next Wednesday, two hours live, up head to head against NXT, two hours live on the USA Network. Thursday is what. Nothing. Maybe if there's an AEW studio show, they could put NXT UK on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. We don't know what they're going to do. And then Friday is Friday night SmackDown. And then let's hope Saturday also isn't an NXT TakeOver show. Or Um, an AEW pay-per-view. It's weird, okay? It's weird, Adam, because there were times. Like, I got back into WWE on an insanity level in 2015, right after a handful of years being remote. What got you back into it? Oh, uh, it was going. To, it was straight up January of 2015, going to a SmackDown in Hartford. It was uh, the night after the Raw got snowed out. That was in Hartford because of a blizzard. Yeah. So Triple yep. H came out to open that SmackDown and was like, "We're not going anywhere." Blah blah blah. And it was the weekend. It was two nights after uh, Roman Reigns got booed out of the building at the Rumble in Philly. Oh, so there was a lot of talk about that Rumble at ESPN where I worked at the time. Then I got offered day of free tickets to that. SmackDown, I went and the live product stuck a needle inside of me because I hadn't been to a live show for wrestling since 1999 before that. Before, there was a WWE pay-per-view in Providence that Austin and Rock main evented, and I had floor seats in 99. So that 16-year gap in terms of seeing a live wrestling show, like, for some reason was like catnip. It was like, oh, my God. So what happened from there? was I went nuts, Raw and SmackDown, have to watch every second. Suddenly I'm watching NXT. Suddenly I'm watching anything I can find. But there was a stretch in that where it's like every night of the week I'm watching something on the WWE Network. I was full-on addicted, and it was great. And at that time, I remember thinking, man, imagine if pro wrestling can get so hot that like every night of the week there's something to watch like there is in the NBA or Major League Baseball or whatever. Um, We're almost there, Adam, and I don't know how I feel about that. Well, the thing with like Major League Baseball, and I, I stopped watching baseball back in 2010, I think, in terms of being a regular season game baseball watcher. I watch Yankees Red Sox because that's my team, and if there's ever a really great pitching matchup with the Yankees, I might watch. But I largely stopped because in the 2009 season, I watched 
every game. All 162, not counting uh, postseason, World Series, etc. And it got to me to be like, look, what are you doing with your life where every night you're coming home, eating dinner, and putting on MLB TV? And it wasn't healthy. And I was like, you know what? I need to kind of step away from that. And with wrestling now, I caught myself, uh, I guess it was last week or maybe it was the, oh, you know what? It was the weekend where AEW had the pay-per-view, uh, had all out, and WWE had the UK show, and NJPW had the Road to Destruction or whatever the hell that was called. And I found myself on like Sunday now, this is a full day later, still watching. And I'm like, I was like, what am I doing? It was really good. Like all out, you know how I felt about that. The NXT UK was totally worth watching, you know, coming back on the next day. But I'm just like, I need to make some time for like life and my new house and things like that. So I'm entering this zone where I was really, really excited for AEW. But NXT moving to Wednesday's Live on USA last week and me watching that and getting hyped about it, that almost satiated the extra boost I needed. So like now I have... SmackDown, hopefully that's going to get better on Friday nights. I now have this nice piece of meat that I can enjoy Wednesday nights right in the middle of the week. But then it's like, do I need another two hours? And okay, I'm, maybe I do in AEW, but now I'm not watching NXT UK. 205 Live, it's going to have to be our listeners telling us to watch a match. Well, I know. it's it's And it's just like, and where's the time in between, Brian? I mean, I told you, I don't know if you got around to watching it, WWE Network, the untold about Kane's debut and uh, Bad Blood in your house. No. It's fantastic. When do I have time to watch that? I didn't you get know? to finish that Sasha Banks uh, documentary thing. I still haven't seen that Mae Young thing you're trying to get me to watch. I haven't Great. even rewatched the 2016 Cruiserweight Classic in a while. Um, no, the whole point on, on it, could it be too much of a good thing? Will it water down the overall product? It remains to be seen. All it's going to take, obviously, is like, a Wednesday night coming up, maybe this, maybe this week, maybe this coming week. Meaning, I'm sorry, maybe next week when next AEW week. launches on October second, and you know NXT is head to head to it. Maybe it's that week where both shows are so damn good in in just doing something fresh and new that you have to see that you're like, I'm back all in on this, uh, on the wars. I'm back all in, you know. And then you just you just go with it. But when there's this much and it's demanding this much, if that product isn't isn't so fresh and so clean, Adam. It yeah. makes you just like I'm now. It's weird. So I'm not watching Raw and SmackDown perfectly live anymore. All right. Right. And sometimes when that happens, it's better because you can fast forward through the commercials. You can fast forward through some matches, you know, you don't care about and you can power watch these things. And it's great. This week, power watching was a chore. It was a damn chore. So, um, I mean, I feel that way for SmackDown. I don't feel that way for Raw. I had to do my chores. Um, so look, maybe you know people out there going, BC, you led me to this. You <laughs> spent a, a a year plus. Oh, you're the Moses of the revolution to get it? me to this moment, to get me to Wally World, and then we show up, and you're like, I'm not even gonna check if it's open. I think I'm done with this already. No, I'm not gonna be that guy. I'm just being honest with you. A little worn down this week, and it's no different than when uh, you look at the UFC schedule and you're like. They got a show every Saturday for the next 78 weekends. Uh, at, you know, the quality suffers when you spread it out that thin. But, and, that's, uh, and that's not counting days where there's a fight night and the Bellator card on the same night. Right, right. Same type of situation. For You have to guys have to remember also for me, and it, yeah, it does sound like complaining and being a pessimist. That's not really what we're just talking, you know, honest with you. That's all. Um, I'm also like heavily invested 
in college football in the NFL. So this is happening in the second month of the football season where all day Saturday I'm watching and working college football and all day Sunday I'm watching and heavily betting NFL. And then the end of those nights, potentially, now there's all of a sudden a pay-per-view card for wrestling that I have to worry about, not mentioning still helping our combat sports efforts with big boxing matches. We have Spence Porter coming up on Saturday uh, the 28th. And it's just like, okay, like this is all great and this is what we wanted. They're giving us what we wanted. And They're giving us the Batista. Um, but <laughs> and now we're panicking. When, but we're now we're like we Blue Batista and we're like, you know what? Maybe we got ourselves into a situation that we uh, shouldn't have been in here. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the last, you know, week and a half before your wedding or something when you're just sort of like, what the hell did I get myself into? This is insane. This is I, just too buying much. a house. Yeah. Just, yeah. Very similar to that. that that's, getting landscaping done. Like it's it's a misery. It's it sucks. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Uh, I'll give them the chance to blow me away. But as we record this right now, if you came in here hoping to get fired up, BC, BC's going to limp through the show and you're just going to have to deal with it. OK, you're just going to have to deal with it. But hey, if wrestling takes off like it has the potential to Adam. And again, let's not undersell the fact that they're going to freaking live on Fox on Friday nights with the NFL vehicle to promote it on Fox. Um you may get more state of combats in your future. I mean, we may have to stay. We may have to uh, hire some more people and staff this thing out. There may need to be a daily show at some point if there's going to be this much wrestling. Well, don't worry about today, BC, because you know the Silver King is used to carrying this show because ain't nobody dope as me. And with that, it's time to get wow. into. That was almost Rousey. Uh... You are so hypersensitive. No, that was a wrong button. That was a, I can't wait to be the man. Hey, I was at least playing off your reference earlier, your outcast reference. Give me a break. But let's get into the main event. This is the main event. All right. So we do have plenty to talk about this week. And while you are listening to this most likely on Thursday, uh, which is when the episode is coming out, we are taping a little bit earlier. So we're not going to be talking about NXT, the second week live on USA Network. Just a heads up for everyone. Rest of the show, we will get to that next week, BC. So with that, we're mostly talking WWE main roster and AEW on this week's show. And the only thing to start with when you talk about WWE these days is The Fiend. Main event of Raw, there's that match between Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. Whether you liked it or didn't doesn't really matter because you knew how it was going to end. And that was with The Fiend getting into the ring. The surprising part, BC, he takes out Braun Strowman, former stablemate at the Wyatt family. So... Did you like this? Did you there's people criticizing Rollins being in the corner cowering in fear. People taking an issue with how easily Wyatt took down Strowman. What did you think of the final segment? Where do you stand on those issues? The final segment was certainly well handled. Having him go after Braun teases a lot of potential things. Uh you know, feud between them long run or Braun maybe coming to the dark side eventually and, and doing this whole thing that I want, which is not just the Wyatt family reboot, but I really would like some sort of scenario in which every time uh, the Fiend gets somebody, meaning Mandible claws them, attacks them, he has some kind of mind power over them. I mean, that's going to take some serious long form storytelling to really make work. But what did I, did I like it this week? I liked it to a point. Well handled, great, it was shot well. It, the intensity was there. Anytime that inside that mask, you have Bray sort of alternating, laughing with screaming. He's nailing this. I just don't know if this week was the first time they got gratuitous with it, meaning 
We don't really know what we're doing. We're not really going to explain what we're doing. But hey, you guys love this fiend so much. So we're just going to we're just going to, you know, where's the right sound button for that one? Um, hang with me, people. It's it is here. I know it's I know it's here. Only searching the soundboard. Um, we yeah. are going to. Um... But we're going to stuff it down your throat so hard that you're going to enjoy this. You're going to feel it, Adam. I felt it. Did you feel it? I didn't feel it in the end. So that's why I say I enjoyed it to a point. Well shot, well handled, but it leaves me with questions, Adam. Ultimately, I need those questions answered. What is the fiend's motive? Is it just to attack the champion Seth Rollins and end up with the title? Or is the Fiend's motive just that, like, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm not WWE. I'm, I'm anti-WWE. I'm basically the NWO of this promotion right now. And I'm just going to F up everybody who gets in my way, who goes near Seth Rollins, because that's the guy I want to fight. I don't know if that's fully explained to us yet. And that's leaving me a little nervous at what we're going. They've explained who Bray Wyatt in the Funhouse is very well. But these Bray Wyatt attacks, I'm starting to get to the point where I need to understand. Did you get what I'm saying? Where I exited Raw entertained with that, but sort of like, what does it mean? I do. I don't think there's any issue in criticizing, lightly criticizing, something that is being a little bit repetitive. WWE, this happens to WWE all the time when they are on the road to a pay-per-view. At some point, they don't have another part of the story to tell. So they just keep retelling the same thing. It happened with many of the Rousey feuds where she'd go out and cut the same promo on the same person. And it's just like, okay, it happened with Rollins and um, Baron Corbin. It's been happening for what a year now with Kevin Owens and Shane. I don't know how long that storyline is going. We'll talk about that later. It just seems like it's the same thing over and over again. And the reason I didn't mind this so much is we've seen him go after legends. We've seen him go after Rollins, who is a smaller guy, but also his direct target. This time, he went after someone who, outside of their prior relationship, he didn't really have any good reason to go after him. And it was a monster. It was someone that is like, yeah, he just went after Kane, but Braun Strowman towers over Kane. This is the biggest guy on the WWE roster since Big Show was heavy Big Show. You know what I mean? So it, it to me was such a striking moment seeing Bray, a, a smaller guy by comparison to, to uh, Braun, reaching up with the mandible claw, bringing him down, Braun like waking up from it very quickly and Bray having to go back to it a second time. I thought they told the story well enough where I don't really have any issue with it. There's people criticizing like the suspension of disbelief WWE is asking us to do with the Fiend character like it's any different than The Undertaker, you know, light, uh, shooting lightning onto a stage or Kane, you know, summoning fire with his arms. It's all the same to well, me. Well, it's weird. I'm asking I, for I, more suspension I, I, and disbelief. I'm asking for them to make this moment so powerful that, like, The Fiend has superpowers. I'm like, go Papa Shango on me. Yeah, and I think there's opportunities for that to happen. At the same time, we want to be careful because we don't want them to bring back, like, the worms in the ring from WrestleMania. Right, right. We want to have look. We it's just because you want to feel like they have an end game. You want to feel like they have a story. You want to feel like it's the old days. You sit by the pool with Pat Patterson and with uh, Bruce, and you know it's we start off with the end game. Okay, end game is Savage Hogan WrestleMania five. How do we get there? Oh, I tell you how we get there. We have the mega powers explode in this kid's pants because 
Hogan's sniffing around with those lustful eyes. See, Adam, every good, every yeah, great. It always goes back to Mega Powers. I no, know. not just that, but what is Mega Powers ultimately? It's a, a story power, a, a husband and a wife and, and it's someone a, getting involved in their marriage. It's yeah. what it, that's, that's, that's the gold, yeah. folks. Every, every rom-com movie's written about that, too. Um, yeah, you just want to feel like they're going somewhere. And, yeah, I hope it's not just uh, repetitive for the sake of it. Now, it reminds me of uh, being in Jamaica, Adam. And okay. for spring break of 2003. Now, I was 25 years old. No, sorry. Oh, God, don't date yourself like that. Sorry, sorry. I had not turned 25. I was 24 years old, and so I what? willingly went on a, and on a vacation to Jamaica during spring break, knowing it was spring break. Is that dirtbaggery, just to set the foundation here? Oh, 24? No. 24 is fine, you're saying. It's Absolutely. Fine. Okay. I think so, until you hit the 3 0, you're okay. I yeah. go on this trip, and, and there's a club, right? And the hot, you know, when you're in a club and the hot song of the moment, right? When that hot song hits, dude, it's like the ice cream truck pulling out pulling up when you're seven years old playing like wiffle ball in the park. It's like everybody drops everything and runs from where they are. So it was in the club by 50 Cent at that moment, Adam. That's okay. Yep. So let's say you went to this club on phone party night like I did. You heard in the club when you walked in. You heard it an hour later when the foam got sprayed out and they filled the floor with suds and people are dancing in the middle of the hot tub in the middle of the club. You heard it again. And then it got to the point where the DJ's just like, man, this song's so hot and people love it that he's like threatening us over the mic. He's like, Y'all want to hear in the club again? And it's like, only if you guys scream loud enough. And there's people that are just like, yeah. And guess what? We heard in the club for like the fifth time that night. First, yeah. That's Vince McMahon with the pencil and the paper and the fiend right now, right? He doesn't understand. It's still, but it's still like, you know, month four of that song existing. It's not, you know, 2005. It's not a year later, you know what I mean? That that's still fresh, is what I'm saying. That song it, did bounce still, in a in a phone party club. That was that was that was you know some jerk. You still like and... you still like to hear like even oh, another big song in 04 was yeah, that was another really big song. Usher or Usher is what they used to say. Uh, you didn't just pronounce it Usher, right? I said Usher by accident. Usher, I was trying to get at. That's an all time uh, soundbite moment right there. Wow. Yes, keep going. Yeah, I, let's find a use for that uh, in the future. Um, but point is. It was good. And then it's like, why do I want this little John guy screaming every fifth word in my ear? And it's like, yeah, I'm done with this. The difference between that and, and Bray Wyatt, the fiend is this is so much better than those songs ever were on its own. This is, you know, I said it on last week's show, someone sent me a message after last week's show saying how I'm critical of everything. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I am critical of many things, but I also called the fiend Maybe the greatest thing WWE's done character-wise in like since The Undertaker. Like, like it, the thought process behind it, the way they're going, the direction, the allowance of Bray Wyatt to have this type of creative freedom. It's just unlike anything I can ever remember. And I even saw, like I said, this WWE Untold, the making of Kane and, and his debut and, and bad blood uh, in your house. And I was like, yeah, that was cool. This so far exceeds that that i'm willing to say yeah raw maybe wasn't the fiend's number one best moment since this character's existed it wasn't bad it's nothing i'm going to complain about i'm certainly not going to say that i can't suspend disbelief enough 
to, to think that this guy in the mask is scaring Seth Rollins, who just took a running power slam to the outside of the ring and is like crippled in the corner, can't really move. And you have this weird guy with this weird music screaming in your face. Yeah, I'm okay with the top babyface champion, you know, being scared about that or 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 frightened a little bit. It's okay. Like, that's what this character is, you know? All right, but gun to your head right now. Uh, if we're going to assume the powers that be that are creating this with with uh, Bray Wyatt, maybe it's maybe it's Bruce, maybe it's Heyman, maybe it's whomever. Hey, look, maybe we'll, we'll throw Vince a bone. Maybe Vince has got a big hand in this. Do they have an endgame, Adam? And if they do, is their endgame anything but he exits this feud with Seth, meaning Bray Wyatt, without winning the championship? I think he wins the title. I don't know whether it's at Hell in a Cell or shortly thereafter. Um, but I do think what I kind of said last week is the end game. It makes way too much sense for them to put the title on the fiend either soon or eventually and have him hold it all the way into WrestleMania and have the top feud on raw be the fiend versus the demon. It's a great opportunity to bring Finn Balor back. It's a great way to put over the demon. I mean, uh, the fiend and ultimately there's no harm in the fiend character or Bray Wyatt eventually losing. You just can't have him lose now. This is someone who, you know, remember, if he goes all the way through to WrestleMania, that's almost a calendar year. Granted, he'll probably only have like seven matches, but that's like a calendar year of un- being undefeated and being the champion and being this maybe the hottest thing in professional wrestling and then losing to Balor, who fans will definitely get behind and the demon who fans definitely love. That's nothing to be shameful. And it keeps that character strong. And maybe after Mania, then you move into a different brand and have him go over to SmackDown and do his thing on Fox. Such a tightrope they're going to have to walk to not ruin this character, to make, to keep it at the level that it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, they had that same opportunity with Becky when she went to the man, when she was getting Austin feels, they obviously watered her down ahead of Mania, but they had an opportunity there to like, how big can we make this? Do we have a plan? Do we that, know what we're doing right now? That's a great example of what I was saying earlier, where they had a direction for Becky but there was far too much time between when they started it and the end point. And they made it so convoluted. They included Charlotte Flair, which naturally watered her down because the focus wasn't only on those two. So what I really don't want to happen is for this match to happen at Hell in a Cell. And then Braun Strowman comes in, in the cane-like role, rips the door off, attacks the Fiend. And now you have a triple threat match at the next pay-per-view. It's just like, no, let this match happen. The Cell is meant to be the Cell for a reason. This match happening in a cell is really the scenario where Rollins should lose. This is an okay way for Seth to lose. And if you want to have him lose and then never worry about getting retribution and pushing him, pushing him over to SmackDown, that's fine. But you got to find enough baby faces and big stars to be on Raw. Uh, after draft. Dear WWE, right now you are allowing Bray and Braun to talk trash to each other over Twitter, which fires me up. If you do not turn Braun Strowman heel during this season and have him work for the Fiend, then what are we doing? It's a missed opportunity, potentially. And that's when I might be out, okay? But, but then you're getting into, like, he has to get mind control over him. Yeah, and... yeah that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Look, there's very few people in modern-day wrestling who could pull off the supernatural in a character and make you want to believe it. This is one of those rare times, so... Do it and do it right, because 2019 is more about work rate and and 
going back to presenting wrestling as if it's almost real again to some degree. I mean, look at the rise of J- Japan and what they're doing there. That to 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 kind of do this eighties nineties shtick, you 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 got to go all the way with it, man. You can't really tease it. Like as much as your booking makes sense for the idea of a payoff being Finn, I don't even know if crazy character versus crazy character can work in twenty nineteen. You know what I mean? I almost feel like you need to build up the mid show mid show main event. You don't think that works with with Rollins reigns in the main event? I don't know. I don't. I almost feel like a character this dynamic and this different, where you're going to the supernatural. You only you almost have to build him up with the idea of, and we talk about having plans of sacrificing him to your greatest babyface who needs a giant. WrestleMania type win at that moment. So if that's it's, the, but that's that's. I mean, look, don't forget they they made Finn the first Universal but Champion. I almost mean like a pure character. If you're gonna do the demon with Finn, then the demon Finn defeating the. You're saying he's not an angel because you still don't think demons. No, can be it's just it's corny. It, it it has so much potential to be corny because it's supernatural character versus supernatural character where. I feel like the only way it works is if you have the perfect, dynamic, insanely okay. great supernatural character against the clean, white meat baby face. But That's... this isn't Pumpkin Demon against Sister Abigail. This is potentially real demon against the Fiend. You know, it, it's it's different. It's far give, better. Give me Prince David or Fonzie Balor against uh, him any day, but no. What would have me... happened if that match actually went down? Uh, we all would have lost another piece of our soul, but we would have <laughs> forgot about it because then Finn, because then that was during the season when Kane was allowed to pin Finn Balor a bunch of times too. So uh, that's, that's got to well, be that's got to be awful. Um, you I, you I, well, hold on, you mentioned Bray Wyatt's tweet. I just want to read it for anyone that didn't see it. He says, "Forgive us, forgive us, Braun. This will all make sense in the end." Capital E. I'm losing control of it. I'm sorry, so sorry. Then Braun Strowman replied. Um, Oh, my old friend, you don't know what you've started. I'm not the same boy you found all those years ago. And Bray Wyatt replies, neither am I. Stay away, please. Wow. That's good Twitter. That's not bad. That's not that's not bad tweet. That's high, quality, that's, that's high quality H2O right there. That's 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 good stuff. All right. Um, I, I, What else you got from Raw? You got anything else to talk about? Yeah. Um. So they have this match, Rollins and Fiend at Hell in a Cell. And what we've been talking about on this show is Man, it's so weird WWE starting their new seasons the week of Hell in a Cell with Fox two days before and WWE to promote this Raw episode coming up on Monday, what they are calling the season premiere with new graphics, new intro theme, etc. They have Seth Rollins defending the title against Rey Mysterio, who won a number one contenders match on Raw. So the question is, do you have an issue with that? And do you think Mysterio was the right guy to win that match? I think he was because what when the second he won that match and the way that they made it feel so important and the crowd rightfully popped, it, it I I smiled and I smiled huge because that's how you tell a story. They've committed to the story going weeks back of him losing matches and talking about quitting and bringing in Dominic and all that stuff that it's like, this is how you do it. This is what we ask for. And this is sort of the one final run you give Rey Mysterio when you sign the guy at the time they did. You got to kind of sign him, shine him up and use him for one kind of final run where we're like, this guy is a legitimate contender. And then from there on out, you use him as a legend or as a way to put other people over. So, um, no, this doesn't suck at all. Rey Mysterio, you don't suck. Rey Mysterio not sucking off anybody. Oh, God. Uh, The thing with Rey is that did you hear he, Michael Cole right there? I mean, come on. It, it, I'm trying to get past it. I'm trying to move us along. Uh, the thing with Ray is he probably should have another 
heavyweight title run on with either title. No, 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 no. Brian, did you see that reaction from the crowd? Yeah, they but, love Rey Mysterio, man. But it's washed Rey Mysterio, so I think they should do okay, the. Okay, but Brian, washed Rey Mysterio is better than like Robert Roode today. True. So I th- I'm I'm all with getting him into Ziggler. a title feud. I'm all with telling this story that ultimately leads with Dominic getting some type of like push to become a wrestler and all that, and that's great. But I don't know if you can put him over and have him win a major championship at this age. Nah, I don't know. His age, how is he? Isn't he younger than like Lesnar? No, he's like forty-five, dude. Ray's oh, he, old man. Dude, he looks freaking great. I mean, he <laughs> got an insane shape. Let's not forget the last few years when he was with WWE. He was like fat. He was like yeah. like he was washed. He's re- no. he's resuscitated himself. It's a fun story. They're handling this well. They made that match matter. Well done. But let's let's there's limits to this. Well, I thought the match was great. I love that they gave Robert Roode. That's how you build someone. Someone tweeted this actually, I think, to our state of combat account. And I agree. And I'm sorry, I don't have your name right now. But that's how you like take Robert Roode from irrelevance. You have him join with Dolph, win the tag team titles. He beat Rollins. He pinned him for the titles. So you're like, hey, yeah, he should be in this match. Right. You put him in the match. You don't eliminate him first. You let him go to the very end. I thought it was a great way of putting Robert Roode over, making him look legitimate again for this guy that hasn't really been on TV and is now the tag champion, even though they're not even telling a story with those titles. So I thought the match was good. I thought Mysterio was the right guy to go over. And because it's a season premiere episode and they're trying to get people to watch, saying Rey Mysterio is going to be in a title match with Seth Rollins, that's far better than Nakamura or Styles or Robert Roode or I forgot the other person in that match. That is the name you want to promote your first episode of Raw in the new season on USA Network. Yeah, so shout I, out to John Dunphy. Great. John Dunphy 68 for that Robert Root take. Good. All right. Very good. Uh, and the other thing I kind of just wanted to mention here is we're, I don't know, by the time this airs, like, I don't know, 10 days out from Hell in a Cell, three matches announced. Raw Women's Championship, which we'll talk about in a little bit, Universal Title, and then this Roman Reigns match that we're going to talk about in a little bit with Daniel Bryan. Uh, do you think that this is another example? And maybe I'm just kind of answering the question, the an- giving the answer with my question here, BC. Uh, is this another example of WWE sacrificing a pay per view to build something else? Generally, it's the you know shows in Saudi Arabia, the Blood Money in the Sand. In this case, it's building this Raw and this SmackDown, where they have title matches on the shows and and they're making a big deal about it, and they have a pay per view card later that week, two days after that SmackDown. That is three total matches on it right now. Yeah, it's it's all problematic. It it, it it's part of the overall conversation of overkill and moving moving SmackDown so close to the pay per view on Friday nights. I'm not sure we're over that hurdle yet. Well, it hasn't started yet. That's probably why. But I'm not sure we're over that hurdle of that not being a problem now because we're trained. And I know, look, SmackDown was on Thursdays recently, but the last time it was on Thursdays, it was tape delayed. It almost didn't matter. We're trained since 2016. That it's what happens at the beginning of the week that matters. I got to see Monday. I got to see Tuesday. But then I get that break before the pay-per-view. And the pay-per-view can start to matter as I wait out that break. And I start to win win back essentially the, man, I haven't watched good wrestling in a few days. I can't, you know, oh, this pay-per-view, oh, let's do it. You take this new setup mixed with the overall potential for overkill, which is NXT being in its own separate universe and going live and AEW. It's completely overshadowed, and you take the new era in which we don't seem to program pay-per-views to have big reveals. We sort of program them to 
carry, you know, move the chains along and bring viewers back to Raw. Um, I couldn't care less about Hell in a Cell right now. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm intrigued by the Fiend. Uh, you know, uh, I'm intrigued by some things, but no, no. But I care about the two biggest matches so much. That's hey, the thing. Look, like, they're both matches I badly want to see, but there's three matches on what we expect to be an eight, nine, ten match card. You know? Do they really? They really have to make pay per views matter again. Yeah. And I and it's tough when they're getting so much more money from NBC Universal and from Fox to get people to want to watch those shows than they would for the subscriber total on WWE Network to pay nine ninety nine to get all the pay per views for free. And this is where you could argue, Adam, that going the model they did in the beginning in twenty fourteen and putting everything under the one bundle for nine ninety nine is a failure because if when they did that. They said, look, SummerSlam, WrestleMania, and Survivor Series. Or just SummerSlam and WrestleMania. Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble. Yeah. There you go. SummerSlam, WrestleMania, and Royal Rumble are not part of the ninety nine ninety nine, but everything ten, ten, else is. Ten extra dollars. Just ten extra dollars more. Or let's, let's just say let's just say you you say to them, Okay, WrestleMania and SummerSlam not part of the nine ninety nine. But Royal Rumble is, all that is, and WrestleMania and SummerSlam will be traditional pay per views. And you'll pay $60 for them, but, dude, we're going all out. We're jacking up those cards, and we're making them matter. I mean, certainly financially, I think it would have worked, and it would have kept the onus on them to really deliver on those shows. And even to this day, that's why we have conversations like Dirty Bed Sheets when I don't feel like they are going above, 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 and beyond and making those deliver. Um, you got to get back to that mold and model. And I just gave you the reasons why they don't. It's all financial-driven. But I, I just couldn't care about these pay per views. And the rest and the matches aren't that great where you have to watch every second of every match, you know? How do you equate that though with like UFC doing a monthly, is it fifty nine ninety nine pay per view where some cards are loaded and others are just like there's a match and yeah, the other matches may be good, like you may get bloody action or or a great stoppage or whatever, but most of the time they have the mega cards. And they have matches. They have other cards that have a main event that you care about, or at least maybe at least that's just me as a really casual fan. But how do you equate them charging sixty dollars every single time, or AEW saying, "You know what? We're a new company, but our pay per views are going to be fifty bucks, and you're you going to pay it because that's what they are." I'll tell you that's why. That's tough. That's tough for me to swallow. It, because UFC and they're they're close. They're getting real close to oversaturation on everything, and they definitely float too many interim titles, which devalues the the value of their real title. But as we record this today, they still have not uh, devalued the, the like the true value of their world titles. So how do you sell? How do you make pay-per-views matter still? Their world title fights do matter. They, we know just even in their money system, the fighters get paid so much more when they become a champion that that's part of it really mattering that even if it's a crappy in-between pay-per-view in which they are really only going to the boxing model and giving you one good fight, Usually that one good fight, you still have to see it. So I think the difference in that is in wrestling, you have advantages and disadvantages. The disadvantage is that because guys don't get hurt, because for the most part, because it's fake, it becomes easily oversaturated. And it almost puts pressure on you as the promoter to not give away these matches on Raw and SmackDown all the time so that people need to go to a pay-per-view to see them because they're special. But number two, the advantage in that is you can control the outcomes. You can control the big swerves. You can tell these two great guys like a Rollins and a, and a Ziggler, 
you know what? Just go out there and put on a classic. You can deliver every single time, and yet WWE doesn't. So that's really the overall problem. They're devaluing their own pay-per-views, and some of that is their titles don't matter, which I'd like to see WWE even go back to less titles, make the chase for the title so important that you need to see, is WWE going to put this guy over? Are they really going to change the title? We're still in a modern world where the titles mean nothing. And then the, when they change hands, it's like, yeah, ho-hum. That's part of it. You mix that with the inverted triangle of the financial system with WWE, and nobody cares. I couldn't care less about Hell in a Cell right now. Yeah, and I think especially coming out of clash of champions where we weren't excited but then we did our preview and we were like you know what this could be a barn burner of a card and then it wasn't and nothing changed hands except for the tag team titles and we come out of that like why did we just spend three and a half hours watching that show it just it, it didn't really give us anything so we talked pay-per-view we talked raw we're going to talk a couple other things tv related bc but first you know what we got to do folks we got to hear from our friends and sponsors all right bc we're back and as I said, it's time to move on and talk about the changing television landscape in the world of professional wrestling. WWE has loaded up this SmackDown on Fox debut Friday, October 3rd, 8 p.m. Eastern uh, on Fox. It, they are calling it their 20th anniversary show. They're promoting uh, a Miz TV with Hogan and Flair. And I don't know if you noticed when they said Hogan's name when they were promoting it. He got his ass booed. Uh, it was pretty great. Um they also have Kofi Kingston and Brock Lesnar for the WWE title, another four horsewomen tag team match, and Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon in a ladder match, loser leaves WWE. So BC, the question is pretty simple here. Have they overloaded this show or have they done just enough to actually get you to care and watch? Not that we weren't, wouldn't anyway, but to make the average fan tune in and watch the SmackDown debut on Fox. Yeah, uh, yes and no. Yes and no, ultimately. Do they overload it? Yes. They basically made it a pay-per-view, to be really honest with you. They do have to pull out all stops because we've talked again and again, whether it's AEW, whether it's NXT on regular TV, whether it's this on Fox, you get one chance in so many cases. You get one chance. And that one chance might literally be five seconds, Adam, when somebody clicks over. It might be one DVR run and five to ten minutes watching, or it could be a full episode. So you got to bring it. We're all overkilled by the idea of having a 20th anniversary show and bringing back the legends, but we have to understand the people they are going after do not watch the product week to week, obviously. So they're not overkilled by any of this. So if they tune into SmackDown and go, holy crap, I just got pay-per-view level wrestling. I got a title change. I got big swerves in these rivalries. Uh, like That's probably the best thing they can do. But to just for the last thing connect to the conversation we just had about them devaluing pay-per-views is they do have to be kind of careful here. And you can argue with me and say they don't because who's watching the pay-per-views? The hardcores, right, Adam? It's the hardcores that subscribe to WWE. At $9.99 a month, they're not all hardcores anymore, I would say. Well, so the point I'm saying is maybe you do less pay-per-views. They were doing two a month at the peak of the draft after 2016. Thank God that stopped. And it yeah. worked, though, only because they committed during that time to making both pay-per-views work. And you had reveals, you had titles, you had good, bad. Uh, look, looking back, it was a pretty good stretch, 2016 into 2017 there. WWE was pretty damn good week to week. Right uh, now, we're not there. I'm saying do less, because let's not forget, takeovers matter. Let's not forget, there's all these, you're asking your fans to watch more now. I'm saying do less pay-per-views, especially if you're not going to deliver big. 
if you have to put big matches on Raw and SmackDown because you have two separate networks that are competing against each other and sort of in the end are going to force WWE to step up their game, you're telling me if the SmackDown ratings suck and Raw's dominating that Fox doesn't pick up the phone and say, Vince, dude, what's going on here? Dude, we got to catch up. And then what are you going to see? You're going to see big things thrown on regular TV, right? Because that's where they're making the money. So I'm saying stop. If you're, if you're going to devalue pay-per-views, then break apart the system you have right now, which is monthly. Break that crap up, right? Blow it up. The other two weeks a month that you were going to do pay-per-views, maybe do NXT takeovers instead, or maybe do something different because you've got to make those shows feel special if you want to drive your nine ninety nine up. And to answer your original question, they are going to probably load up these shows for a while. But what I want loaded up, Adam, is not taking Raw and SmackDown and turning it into a quasi-pay-per-view I want to see them go back to the old ways and go, you know what? We got to fill this show with great stuff, with skits, with interview segments, which with in the ring Miz TV type shows, which things that overall extend, create and and make great storylines, not just, well, if we take reigns with this guy for 25 minutes, that'll be a nice block of TV. Or if we put this title fight that probably should be on pay-per-view to close the show, you know, I, I want even more. I want it all, Adam. And I want yeah. it now. Well, that's why, like, when AEW talks a lot about, you know, our product is all about the in-ring work. That's really what we're doing. It's like, you know what? I don't really want to watch just two hours of in-the-squared-circle wrestling. Professional wrestling, to me, is about far more than just really good matches. Those are very important, and I definitely want those. But it is about the entire mix. So I don't think they've overloaded either of these shows in terms of, the number of matches or the quality, it makes sense for them to have a WWE championship match on the debut of SmackDown on Fox. It makes sense for them to have raw look equal to SmackDown, which they're basically trying to tell USA, like, look, we're putting a lot of eggs in this Fox basket, but we're not forgetting about you. Right. So it makes sense for them to have a a universal championship match on that show. It's just the timing. Like they knew this hell in a cell pay-per-view was going to be this day. Why didn't they, and maybe it was contractually and it just when their USA deal ended and they had to do it, but why didn't they either move this pay-per-view back a week or start this new contract with Raw and SmackDown the week after the pay-per-view? Because what it's done is it's gone and bastardized this pay-per-view in Hell in a Cell. So the way I'm going into Hell in a Cell is I'm thinking no WWE championship match. I'm thinking, well, they had the universal title match. There's no chance that Rey Mysterio is going to win the title. So that match on Raw doesn't mean much to me. Even though I'm going to watch it and it'll probably be great because they're two really good wrestlers, I know for a fact going in there's not going to be a title change. And then I'm like, well, they haven't even done a single tag team storyline on either brand the last two weeks. You have Nakamura who will probably fight Ali. AJ Styles has nothing going for him with the U.S. title feud. What else is going to be on this pay-per-view? Are they going to give us a six-match NXT TakeOver-like pay-per-view? I would love it. I don't see any way it happens. You know that. Well, but, okay, that that's an answer right there. I said you need to make pay per views matter again. You know what would make them matter? Yes, less matches right. make yeah. the matches awesome, and then all those people who would have had throwaway matches on the pay per view have those throwaway matches on Raw and SmackDown instead, and give them real storylines. Yes, all yes to all the above. But you're right. Two days after, so let's say you don't watch SmackDown live on Friday nights. Let's say you're out, right? Right. And then let's well, say I'm you, not watch live, you wake up Saturday and you go, I got a WWE pay-per-view on Sunday night, but it's Saturday. I may have kids. I may have activities. I'm probably going out on Saturday night. 
it, you could end up having a situation for fans where it's like, oh, crap, I got to fast forward through this DVR of SmackDown on Sunday morning to get ready for the pay-per-view on Sunday night. There's a problem. There's a problem. That was WWE's old problem with having SmackDown on Fridays. A lot of people don't remember this, but what WWE used to do is when they had Friday night SmackDown, not at the beginning, but as it got into it a little bit, and I forgot how long it was on that night, what they used to do was do their full go-home show on Monday. That was the entire go-home show. And then what they did on Friday was they like aired a preview special from the arena that was already getting set up, recapping what had happened on Raw and the prior three weeks on Raw and SmackDown. That's what that SmackDown go-home show used to be. They can't do that anymore. They're on Fox. Fox is not paying them $1 billion for every fourth SmackDown to be, well, here's what happened in WWE the last three weeks. That ain't happening. So WWE has put themselves in this really unique situation where they need to decide, like, what are go-home shows going to be and when are they going to happen? Because pay-per-views are great, but the go-home shows, and you know you know this is true, the Raw after a pay-per-view, especially if anything happens on that pay-per-view of legitimate note, those are the things you're geeked up for. You want to see how are they taking me in and how are they taking me out of the, or, or how am I coming out of the show? Not so much what happens on the show. That The show's exciting, but you always have that little extra angst for what TV is going to deliver. So I'm excited for all of this to happen. At the same time, I really like Hell in a Cell, like the concept. I don't like the red cell, but that's another story. I like the pay-per-view concept. I love the two main events. Sasha Banks, Brian, and Becky Lynch, in Hell in a Cell. He's <laughs> sold. I don't need anything more than that. But they don't even have me really caring about this pay-per-view because all they have been promoting is the, the season premiere of Raw, the season premiere of SmackDown, and oh yeah, we also have NXT on Wednesday nights. You know, they'll never take money off the board. So they're never going to go away from this once-a-month pay-per-view model unless the ratings are in, and ticket sales are so bad that they would force But I don't think them. they need to, though. Well... We talk about stripping down a pay-per-view card to five, six matches, and you see how much better it is. Imagine if we went back, and not back to two pay-per-views a year. Imagine if we went back to every other month. Could you imagine every other month, Adam? Imagine five pay-per-views a year. How important would they be, dude? You'd circle them on the calendar. They could do eight and then four NXT takeovers. I wish, really wish they would. I really eight, eight WWE pay-per-views, four NXT takeovers, two Blood Money in the Sands, and one other, uh, you know, international. I mean, show. how many times do we make jokes about pay backlash and these in-between ones that aren't great on paper and then they don't deliver anyway? Like we're so damn worn down. And in their eyes, it's not about that. In their eyes, it's about do we think we can sell enough tickets? You know, then that's what it's about. It's a financial system. But and by, and by the way, Blood Money in the Sand. Four or five—I don't know which one we're at now. Uh, one month for, uh, from now, basically. I will not watch it. I will not watch. Just saying, it. They, they're going to get themselves into another situation where—and don't forget, those were Friday shows that they used to be. So here's what now, I'm saying here. Now they're going to have to like tape SmackDown early or something, so they can do the Saudi show on Friday. I don't know what they're going to do. Here's it's what I'm pretty- saying here. Um, in the '90s, when when things were at, at its peak, right? If you're super hardcore back then, and I was hardcore, but not super hardcore, I'm sure you're ta- your VHS taping both Raw and Nitro, or you're watching one live and you're taping the other, and then you're going back afterwards and watching the whole other one. I wasn't on that super hardcore level. I was regular hardcore, which meant Monday nights, I'd tune in and flip back and forth, and whoever had the better product of the moment, 
I'm sticking with it, right? Or I'm I'm constantly flipping back. You, the, you were WCW. If man. the NWO is on in any form, I'm staying there. Yeah, W. I'm, I was the default WCW, definitely. So my point is on that is it came down to what was the best of the moment. I'm going to watch it. I think we're getting to that point now where, like, I'm not – if I miss a – SmackDown, I'm not going to catch up on it, even for the purposes of this show, unless something major happened, right? If an in-between pay-per-view happens, Adam, it's like if we're only doing one podcast a week, it's probably not going to be a giant story in our week with AEW, with NXT, with – hey, by the way, NJPW is not dead, okay? Just just a heads up on that. So we are think even in the way we consume as super hardcores, we're going to get to a point right. where – just can't do it all. So let's uh, it's it's going to come down to looking at the results of a show after it happens and going, okay, I'm going to go back and watch this segment, this match. Yeah. It's interesting. Yep. Adam. They also made our podcasting lives very difficult too. I mean, just the fact that there is now no really great day to do a single episode podcast. It's, it's very, very difficult. We have an answer. We will tell you guys when that's going to be, uh, but, but it is difficult. I'm like, do we, do we do, two to five episodes a week or do we just give up the show and do nothing I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe we'll go to monthly podcasts how about that adam we'll just recap everything that's Once going on we'd be yeah. so excited because there'd be so much to talk about we could get we could get right down yeah, but, the yeah we talk but yeah but we talk for two hours on a on a single weekly imagine that's like an eight hour podcast uh, doing a, one show a month i'm getting everything i asked for and now i'm actually on the verge of exploding in the wrong ways. I'm just, I'm going to burst soon. You're going to find pieces of me all over this office. Wow, well, add, adding to that and staying with this topic is <sighs> AEW making its debut on TNT Wednesday, October 2nd, the same week, our show next week, just so everyone knows will be out Thursday. So we can actually talk AEW and NXT going head to head live. That will be a special episode of the state of combat podcast. Yeah. Beast- if you're Ron SmackDown, good luck getting on that show. Right, Adam. That, that's going to be a difficult one, although it's going to be the season, quote unquote, season premiere of Raw, and we're going to be previewing Hell in a Cell, and we're going to be previewing the first SmackDown on Fox. So it's it's a pretty loaded episode, no matter what. Um, but BC, it's debuting next Wednesday. It is rated TV 14, yes. which is something we both wanted. Uh, they have been running promos across all the Turner networks. I've seen plenty of them. They've also been airing ads during select WWE programming in different markets, uh, Chicago, New York, etc. Uh, NXT last week, BC debuted to 1.2 million viewers. That's pretty damn good. On the USA Network, which is nothing to sneeze at. That's that's legit. That is. What badass. is your ratings prediction for AEW Dynamite? It's weird, Adam, because I know we talk about this like, man, if they had hit this after Double or Nothing, the, right. the we were at a fever pitch. We want more. We want to see what it looks like. The fact that they've stretched the shit out of this. Now, in terms of, you know, like, what's been the theme of the show? There's too much wrestling. I don't care anymore. You know, unless you've got something that's going to blow my blow me away, then I don't care anymore. Um, What's my prediction? Look, it still matters. We're going to give them the respect. We're delaying our podcast to, to, to recap this thing. It won't beat 1.2. They don't have WWE's marketing machine to get to get you. I mean, they've been marketing on. pretty strong. And they have. And look, I like like the look of like they've been using the Cody Dustin match as a lot of their advertisements. Did you see the shot in Vegas on the strip of that one TV screen that like covers like the whole length of a building? They've been mm-hmm. running that one. Like, I mean, look, it looked great. It was red. It looked sexy. Um, I think they do a little shy of a million. 
yeah, that's where I am. Like, I think they do about 800, 0.8, 0.9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. And I think that's certainly good when you can look like lost in this is how miraculous this whole thing actually is. Nobody yeah. competes against WWE. And I'm not even I'm not even saying they are, by the way. But I'm saying look at the success of the T-shirt company joke mixed into selling out shows in record time mixed into we're on TNT. So, like, look, we're going to give them credit. They've come out of nowhere yeah. and they made this happen. Um, but now you got to wow us. So here's my pitch to them. Not anything you haven't heard before, but I, I just want to c- cons- put my thoughts together. Adam, originally we were like, they have an opportunity to to give wrestling fans what they're not getting, what WWE refuses to give, it, give them. Well, a lot's changed since then. WWE hasn't fixed their issues, but good God, they just put NXT on regular TV. I mean, like, we're getting a lot of what we want. But I still think that is a valuable way to think about things. So if I'm AEW, I can't come out and be New Japan because I don't have those horses. But as we talked about in the past, you cannot come out this week and look anything like Ring of Honor. So I well, it's, it's going to look good. You know, it's going to look good. And I also am going to say I wouldn't mess around with the with the Gaga crap. I wouldn't mess around with even some of this haha being the elite stuff that to me, the comedy doesn't even work anymore. So what do I want them to be? I kind of want them to take 50% about what WCW Nitro was. Well, because I'm some WCW Nitro mark. Well, I am. But number two, because if you ask me what's the most important thing that WWE is still not doing consistently that AEW can do. You can certainly argue high-flying, insane work rate matches. Because even though WWE proper gets close at times, it's still constant WWE proper style booking. And I do think great matches is a foundational part of it. But I am going to watch this debut episode, and the one thing I'm looking for, Adam, is dynamic mic work. And it's this is where the TV14 comes in. Part of it is I'm somebody who gets hooked more on a weekly television throw show to what people are saying on a microphone than what's going on in the ring or even attacks. But I need it to be edgy. I need it to be manly or womanly. I mean, women can talk trash, too. Um, I need you to stretch that 14 out. Stretch. Good God. I'm going to have to apologize ahead of time because I'm going to stretch his ass. No, no, not that stuff. We don't need Double J on there, okay? We, we, we remember what people had said about him in the past. Good God. There's <laughs> no chance I want to find that stuff. Right. Never drew a dime. All right. Um, so, Adam, I need the feels that I got when Nitro happened. Did they have an advantage? Yeah, they had the NWO. But you know what they had? We got wrestlers who are cool, so let's not put parameters around them. Let's give them the microphone and let them go talk shit about the other guys. And the other guys doesn't have to be the other guys across the street. The other guys can just be in your promotion. So what do I need from AEW Dynamite Round 1? Yeah, I need great stories. Yeah, I need interactions with the crowd. Yeah, I need great matches. But I need it to be different than WWE and I think you go through the microphone to do that best because Adam what are the biggest pops we've had on this podcast in its history well one is NJPW matches but outside of that the biggest WWE related pops we have ever had tell me if I'm wrong 
are these insanely great rare moments on a microphone when it's like Cena and Reigns across from each other, you know, and they're cutting like real stuff that's fourth wall removal and they're and it's just brilliant. I need that. Yeah, some of that. I mean, Becky, I think for me, which is organic and letting her be. I need that. I need that every week. That's their key to survival, Adam. They don't have the same horses that everybody else does on the end. I mean, good God, they've got the Bucks and, 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 and Kenny. It's not like they're, they're hurting in that category. But I think that's what you play off. You, you, you play that card. You make it to where we're going to set up scenarios in which two guys are going to fight, and you're going to care about it. What I kind of want to see is not what we think of as professional wrestling television. So even Nitro was raw. You know, it it's the same formula. We have matches, we have backstage segments, we have in-ring promos. And I'm not saying that there's that much else that AEW can do, but it would be nice for the presentation to look different. To not have introductions, someone come to the ring, name graphic, they get in, introduce the two names, have a match, someone interferes, you know, same old, same old. And I know they're going away from the interferences and the DQs because they want it to be real sports-like and they want everything to matter and so on and so forth. Um, but I, I would just like to be presented with something. You know when The Office debuted on NBC and they kind of had those, it's it staged interviews, right? It, it was a mockumentary almost where, yes. not a mockumentary, that's the wrong term for it, but where they're talking to a camera about their actual lives in addition to the show itself going on. There's that fourth wall removal. I'm not saying it needs to be like that. What I'm saying is that was drastically different from anything else we had ever seen before. It wasn't Seinfeld or Friends or Roseanne or anything like that. The Office was just this really different type of show. And that begat Parks and Recreation and Modern Family and all these other really cool, different, very funny types of sitcoms. So that's what I'm looking for out of this. I'm looking for this to be the Sopranos for televised dramas. I'm looking for this to be something different where I say, you know what? I'm getting my WWE formulaic wrestling and i'm not saying that's bad but i'm getting that from wwe and uh, from i'm sorry raw and smackdown a little bit less on nxt though it is similar but this AEW show that i'm watching every week is different i want to watch it because it's not just another wrestling show it is a different type of entertainment that i get to consume that's what i want from this show Based on the pay-per-views, I don't believe that's what we're going to get. Yeah, the pay-per-views have had an attitude to them, Adam, even though All In was almost still kind of separate at this point. Yes, but, it was. You know, the, All the, In was different. The two major shows, for the most part, I've loved them. But even within that, I haven't always loved the attitude overall of the in feel of the show, of the performers, of what they're exuding. Right. Certain big moments we pop for certain great stories that were told all of that. But I need them to be the coolest guys in the room. I need them to be so damn hip and, and different. And I think NXT are the coolest guys in the room. They're proving that consistently. Yeah. I, but I, I need that swagger and vibe and it can't be the Cody and Brandy swagger that has gotten them lately on social media in 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 certain situations that it's turning some people off and it's sometimes a little bit too defensive it's sometimes a little bit too obvious trips and stuff rip off like i just need these guys to be cool 
and they got a shot here. I mean, you look at like some of these matches. I mean, they got they got Pack, they got my guy Neville. You know, I mean, I love me some Hangman Page. MJF never fails, never up to this point. Yeah, you're talking about people cutting good promos. They got like a couple. I don't, I don't think even, I don't, I don't even, know if watch those road two shows or being the elites. There's a lot of guys and girls that really can't cut promos. Well, they're gonna have to, and I they don't are. think they have a roster issue in terms of in terms of not having enough because it's a weekly two hour show right now, and that's it. They're not doing monthly pay per views as far as I know right now. So looks like quarterly for now. So that show is going to be what's what matters, and during that show, you can really lean on four, five, six big names, and they've got four, five, six great names. And let those guys do the bulk of the work. And the same sort of things I said after the last pay-per-view for the for the matches and stretches that I wasn't happy with. If somebody's not ready for primetime, don't shove them down my throat, all right? Give me a lot of Cody, Bucks, Kenny, Pac, Paige. Uh, I like I like some of the other guys thrown in MJF and... and but um, certainly Mox. I mean, let's we're almost forgetting about him because he got hurt and wasn't on the last show. Give me a whole hell of a lot of John Moxley and let him be exactly who he wants to be. And I think that that that's their best shot. And if they want to go down the road that they've already started, which is taking shots at WWE, I've said it from day one. If you are going down that road, then go all in. Then go all friggin' in. It's gonna piss you off, Adam, and I get why. I'm not. I'm not against yeah. the reasons why you don't want that or don't think it's a cheap move by them. It is. It is. No, I do think it's a cheap move. But That's it is I'm... a competition at the end of the day. So if you're going to even touch that category, which they've already touched, I mean they 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 broke the Triple H throne. They've already put the middle finger up. Then go. Then go all in. But be smart and be funny. It... And I don't, and I don't, and uh, I don't need Riho Nyla Rose for your first women's title. No, it's <laughs> just, do. it's just an observation, but it's like, I You're don't, right. don't do things that WWE would do. Lean on the meat. All right. Even if you only have five or six, give it, give it to me. Let's do this thing. I do find it funny that they go after Triple H and not Vince. It's like going after the, the Lieutenant, and not the general. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just find that funny. Um, the reason I don't want them going after WWE, it's, it's just, I want them to succeed on their own and not have it be cheap. Their whole thing, the thing they keep telling us, we are the best wrestling. We have the best tag team division in professional wrestling. We will have the best matches. Wins and losses will matter. If all that's true, you don't need billionaire Ted skits. You don't need, you know, pot shots at WWE t-shirts. Cause Oh my God, the WWE shop decided to create NXT t-shirts for all these superstars that are now on television that don't have shirts. So they created basic logo shirts. And, and, and AEW's like, ho, 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 look how bad these shirts are. They made shirts for their talent. Like, this is really, you think this is going to win you new fans? No, it's going it to more ingratiate your current sycophants to like your product. But other people aren't going to be like, oh, they're making fun of WWE making black T-shirts? Like, okay. Sure, I'm going to now watch this product, right? So so if you're going to take shots or you're going to do something that is um, in reference to WWE, make it matter. Make it be something yes. where it's Dean Ambrose saying, you know, in a promo, some, like, his, like his introductory promo, right? Where he's saying something along the lines of, I was caged there, I'm free here, I'm going to run amok. You're taking a shot at WWE Creative without taking a shot at WWE Creative directly. Fans know the references. That's where I'm getting at. So I am optimistic for AEW. I, I want them to succeed, but 
they have not done really a lot to drum up excitement for me on this first show. The matches you mentioned, Rio against Nyla Rose for the Women's Championship, that does 0.0 for me. MJF against Brandon Cutler. If you watch Being the Elite, you care. If you don't, then you don't. Um, He'll make you care, though. I'm not. I'm not down with that. I mean, I'm not against that at all. Like, I think know. MJF is a fantastic talent. I don't care about him in the ring. I just, don't, I haven't. You will. You will over time, and that's why I'm saying play the hits. Like, make Moxley so damn cool and let him talk on the microphone. If Kenny's going to be in a ring, that better be a insanely great match. You know what I mean? Like, play your hit. You got Jericho. Let Jericho be the one who's coming out and taking shots at Vince then, and let him do it uh, creatively and fun. You know? Let like, Jer- correct. That's exactly kind of what I'm getting at. You have Cody against uh, Sammy Guevara, uh, Pac against Hamian Page, which I think that is a good match. Um, Omega and the Young Bucks against Chris Jericho and a pair of mystery partners. People are expecting those to be LAX, which kind of debuted at that last pay-per-view, all out. And then appearances for uh, John Moxley, actually. I had Hangman there, but he's in a match now. So an appearance for John Moxley as well. So that is their first show. Is that lineup enough to get you kind of going? Is that enough? To yeah, get but but... You know, they need to get more than me. They need to get flippers or people that DVR it saying, I've heard about that. Let me check it out. And I think that's where you use Mox, Jericho, and Dustin Rhodes even a lot. So it's really what you do with what you have. It's good enough on paper, certainly. I mean, look, Omega and the Bucks teaming up. I mean, this six-man could be fantastic. But yeah, let's see. Let's see what you got for us. It's weird that I'm at this point where the whole time I've basically been like, look, we can't really judge them until the TV show comes out. And I do mean that. Well, the TV show's here. And I'm, I'm a little bit more down than I thought. I'm not hitting this button lately. Are you guys ready for a revolution? Uh, no, I'm more like hitting this button. Hold this for me, all right, turkey tits? But uh, what I, I – wow me. Bring it. Be refreshing. Be, be all you can be. Where's Brand- Brandy? Go ahead. Go ahead and ask me it. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on. Uh, I don't know if I am anymore, Brian. Yeah. Brandy, I'm all in, okay? All right. Wait, you, you, was she asking? She was talking about wrestling, right? Yeah, she was talking about wrestling. All right. Well, regardless, I think. I, I, think, I think good or bad, though, the most fair thing we can say about AEW is we, you can judge it week one. We can say this one episode of the show was good or bad, right? But to actually judge the program to say, hey, this will work or this won't work or the the ideas behind it are not very good or they're or they're great and they're revolutionary. You probably need like six weeks to kind of let them feel themselves out, get through some storylines, and then that sixth week you're gonna get a show. And I don't even know, I don't I didn't do the math whether that is gonna lead up to uh full gear, their next pay-per-view or not. But I think after like six weeks, you're in a rhythm where, okay, this isn't new to us anymore. This is the job. And when I get one of those episodes, that's when I'll be able to tell you yeah, this is working, or I'm, I'm going to start just only watching NXT and power watching AEW. I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch AEW live week one. I'm going to tape NXT because I've seen NXT plenty. You know what I mean? But week two, Silver King is watching NXT live and taping AEW, and they need to get me to do the opposite. That's I, how I look. There is one element of this that is getting me fired up, and I am underselling it. It is the fact that they're both live head-to-head. That is cool. takes you back, even with DVRs and all that stuff. There's nothing unless you set up two TVs next to each other, which is obviously not hard to do, but there's nothing that or or watch one on your iPad, whatever. But you get my point. There's nothing that can substitute for two live things going head to head. Even in 2019, you got to be checking it out. And if one, you know, so the eventually they're going to swing at each other. They may not be you know directed at each other, but they're going to swing. One of them are going to do something that's chance taking could be out of desperation, could be out of 
let's put the foot on the back of the neck. It, whatever there is in the neck, it could be week one, could be whatever. But there are going to be moments where it's like, man, Wednesday nights are fun because as long as, as long as Nigel doesn't pull something along the lines of, well, on that other show right now, they are putting the world title on a dinosaur. So stick with us on NXT. Yeah. As long as Nigel doesn't do that or Shivani doesn't do the opposite, and it was Shivani. Let's not forget, I believe, who did that on Nitro. Directed by uh, Bischoff, yes. Be yes, directed by Bischoff, indeed. Man, I love Bischoff. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm fired up. Yeah, okay, I'm fired up again. All right, I'm fired All right, I'll hit the – you want the Andre button? I'll hit it. You pay. You go to come in my, on my back all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right, bodily fluids again, right? And a beautiful portrait is painted with their bodily fluids. Wow, remember that guy, Adam? I like he's probably gonna come back. I really don't want him back. Yeah. There's no place for him in the company right now. Uh unless he's on a bodybuilding message board, there's no place for him right now. Still like know. you still like this AOP stuff, by the way? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's fine. Okay. I, I I'm still a little bit Okay, no, it, it, let me say that. It's better than fine. It's pretty damn good, okay? But am I still sore? That it's like, let's strip them of Paul Ellering and then kind of make them meaningless and then we'll rebuild them. It's typical Vince, you know, whether he had a hand in it or not, it's typical Vince. So, yes, they look badass. This has potential to be great. But let me not re- need to let me remind you, they were once great and they could really work. And you can put them in there with DIY and they could do a hell of a great match despite being that big. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of wondering if this Robert Rude, Dolph Ziggler tag team thing is to put the titles on AOP. They're like the transitional. This is just what WWE used to do during the attitude era and coming out of it, put two people together, aren't a tag team, won't really get hurt by losing. And you establish a new team by having them beat them. Yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, BC, we are out of the main event. After all that, it was a long main event today. So we're going to go into the lightning round of your favorite segment, my favorite segment and our fans, favorite segment hero. Or zero. Zero. Uh, big, big, big dog. Big dog. Thank you. Can't, cannot forget the big dog. Uh, I don't know if it's our fans' favorite segment. Our fans' favorite segment is pay-per-view rewind, which they haven't seen. In, well, they're not giving that. To that we are not giving that. They haven't them. seen that since since the Nick Costos era. We've been busy. <laughs> it's there's been plenty to talk about without pay-per-view rewind, but uh, maybe we'll get back into it if there is a really good reason. Maybe a Survivor Series match, something like that. We can bring it back. Uh, right. But the other segment that we love hero or zero bc speaking of the big dog roman reigns is still in this feud with eric rowan that still includes daniel bryan and now includes luke harper and daniel bryan seems to be teaming up with roman reigns uh started almost coaxing the fans into doing some yes chance tuesday night on smackdown i don't even know if i have a question hero or zero it's it's a zero it kind of sucks. I mean, like in one sense, they have really built up Eric Rowan in ways that I didn't think I needed. Like it's kind of working, you know, and Harper's back and Harper's great. So if they're going to build up Eric Rowan, and Luke Harper and make them serious again, and they're not doing, even though I liked, even though I like the bludgeons, they're not doing the corny bludgeon style that's going to turn off certain people. 
and it's fine if you didn't like that. Um, I don't need Roman and Daniel Bryan in a tag team against these guys. Like, again, it goes back to everything we had nauseum hit about how they ruined this storyline. But it, it's also, again, how they come out of this. If this comes out with Daniel Bryan turning on Roman and having been a part of this all along, then it's oh, great. That's, that's, it has to. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to because we, we kind of talked about, you know, making Bryan uh, potentially babyface again and putting him on SmackDown and letting him do yes, yes, yes. And to see him at the end of this week kind of go, all right, fans, do you want to see me team with Roman Reigns? It's a one-word answer. You know, it's like, like let okay, me so pan. This whole thing where they're building up a Roman Reigns-Daniel Bryan match that we were popping for. Yes ends up being to turn Daniel Bryan face and move him to Raw. I don't think it, it was planned that way. I think at some point they, they course corrected. And it I agree. And I agree. if yeah. this does not end with Bryan turning on Roman and us getting that feud, which, by the way, still has potential to be awesome, then what the hell are we doing? If it does and Daniel Bry- little Daniel Bryan has these two on his back with Roman again, I mean, that's a, that's a great way to do it, you know? But, okay, but even if it does wind up with that, it's still a zero for me. Because yes. I'm bored, brother. Yes. I don't yes. care about this. Luke Harper's back, and I still don't know why. Where was he? Why is he back? And why is he with Eric Rowan when Harper was always the dominant one of the group? He was the one, you know, treating Rowan like the second class, the way Daniel Bryan did. So why would Rowan want him back? And even as equals, he wouldn't want him back. Rowan's trying to establish this dominant personality. So I saw that segment Tuesday. And I was just looking at the TV like, what am I watching? I don't mind trying to get someone over in Rowan. I just said I love what they did with Robert Roode on Raw. I'm fine with them doing that with Rowan. That's that's totally cool. And if you want to use Reigns for that, that's great. I like the idea of Reigns being on a losing streak. I liked the whodunit angle of us going week to week and not knowing what was going to happen. But instead of being three weeks or four weeks, it's now been like seven. It's all the way back to SummerSlam, before SummerSlam at this point. And I'm tired. I'm bored. It's a zero. You don't like what I'm saying? Well, you can suck my... Wow, wow. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. Adam, here is zero number two, the build to Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks, which you referenced earlier. It's now sort of bringing back the four horsewomen together once again. Uh, isn't there some match announced for the SmackDown debut show? Yeah, Hills versus Faces, which uh, Flair is now a face uh, for the... 20th anniversary debut on Fox. A hero or zero for that match's creation and where we sort of seemed to going overall, which included a fairly intense Becky and Sasha brawl to close SmackDown. So that match is a zero. I don't know why Becky and Sasha just can't have this storyline between them. Uh, Putting Sasha back with Bailey, having her come out to Bailey's happy theme, it completely took away from the badass legit boss persona that we had gotten when she re-debuted. You know, like, oh my God, Sasha's awesome. This is what we've wanted. And now her music plays for 10 seconds and she walks down to the ring with Bailey. And it's like, what? Like, even though Bailey's a heel, she keeps her happy music. It's the Nakamura thing. Like, why not change Bailey's music? None of this makes sense. So bringing her back with Bailey to me is a zero. Them continuing to do these four horsewomen tag team matches is a zero. I like what they did on SmackDown on Tuesday where they had Carmella team with Charlotte and it was just different. That was good, and then you had Becky coming after. Um, Now, all of that said, while all of that is a zero, the build to Becky versus Sasha, the attacks, Sasha continuously getting over on Becky, just absolutely decimating her backstage smack on SmackDown on Tuesday night. I loved every second of that. So 
the match is a hero, the build for it's a hero. The problem is it's like the number three storyline on Raw and the number three storyline on SmackDown, and they don't even have a women's single storyline on SmackDown because Bailey and Flair are being used as props for the Becky Char- uh, Becky uh, Sasha Banks feud. So yeah. I don't. I'm not trying to be in the middle here to to you know sit on on the fence on this one, but Becky Sasha hero. I want to see this match. I want Sasha to beat her ass in Hell in a Cell and take the title and Becky's reign and have her work back from the top again. But this four horsewomen thing coming back, it ain't WrestleMania season. They're not doing a fatal four way. That's a zero. Uh, yeah. So the problem is they're doing this match again. This tag team match with the four horsewomen. This is, ha- this is the right match to debut on SmackDown. This is if you, you know, if you're, if you're in that war room and you're going, okay, how do we hook casuals? How do we show people that aren't watching? anymore but used to how great wrestling can be well people haven't watched since the brown panties era let's take the four horsewomen the revolutionary four and show how great women's wrestling has become all that great stuff problem is like we just said you just did that a couple weeks ago right idea wrong sort of connective tissue to get there so overall it's kind of a zero the becky sasha brawl certainly had intensity i just no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. It. I'm gonna say it's a hero overall. Yeah, because even the the talking segments they did on both episodes this week is getting me more jazzed for what Becky Sasha really is. I just want to see them have the chance though to to really have a classic. So this really doesn't happen much, but you legitimately swayed me. So the fact that they might be using it to showcase what women's wrestling in WWE is on the first Fox show, that to me is a hero. I didn't really think of it that way. I thought it was kind of just lazy booking. The only thing I would say is, if you know you're going to do that, which you would hope they did, then why do it two weeks ago? Because it's obvious that they didn't plan correctly. <laughs> and they did it okay. a couple weeks ago to pop ratings, and now they're like, oh, crap, well, we got to, you know, I'm, I don't know, as long as we hear this no, again. I'm with you, though. That What you're saying does make sense, and for a go-home show, having that match does make sense. But not to do it twice in three weeks. That's kind of where I'm getting at. Okay. Imagine if they got away from where we are now, which is Vince fire drilling every week. Nothing, you know, nothing's connected. Right. Let's rip the script up. Blah blah blah. Imagine if we went back to the mindset of the old Vince by the pool, and you book things out so who? far in Wait, advance. Who? Who's he at the pool with? with Pet Patterson. And um, you build things out so far in advance, and you only alter obviously with injury or if the crowd changes so dramatically. Oh man, I'd love that. And that's where you are, Sasha. You're just a one-night stand. Yeah, but it'd be a great night, though, right? I mean, I you can do, imagine what I it'd be like if, if you did, right? Yes. Uh, I do think the brand split will help. Having separate rosters with separate talent forces them to utilize the people on that show and not rely on the crutch of, well, why don't we just throw Bailey in over here? You know, she can have the match. It forces you to use Naomi. It forces you to use... Carmella and Dana Brooke and all these other individual pieces. So I do think we're headed back to more structured booking. And I think WWE at least seems to acknowledge, at least Paul Heyman and Bruce Pritchard seem to acknowledge that that is the direction the company needs to go after really being directionless since WrestleMania for the majority of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's very fair. Uh, BC, WWE has been using a lot of backstage interviews with Michael Cole in a chair, someone across from him, and Cole asking canned questions with canned answers recently. I'm wondering, hero or zero, 
Do you think this is a good new device they are using? Becky Lynch just did one this week. Or is it something that seems a little bit too fake for you to actually sink your teeth into and want to see more of? Yeah, Cole's not awful in it, but I do think there's an underlying feeling of of fake to it. But look, I'm not going to... I mean, is it a zero? I don't know. There's 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 a few ways to skin the cat, which is... In the end, we just want wrestlers to say really uh, clever and spiteful and hurtful often uh, things. So by doing it with Cole, okay, it makes it feel kind of serious. It's just Cole is very Cole. All right. He's very Cole. So but is it better than Chuck in the back with a mic? It's all to me in, in the end. It's all the same. All right, it's it's face to face. Not everybody likes that, though. Nothing face to face. Yeah. Nothing face to face. Nothing face to face. You got it. Because it's, it's how men do it. Um, but you know, I'm fine with it. Is there a, is there a halfway point between hero and zero? What do we call that? Sub zero. That's, That's things that we don't do on this show. All right, all right. Then yeah, it's a hero. Okay, Mike. Yeah, it's a hero. You got you just got schooled by vintage call. Okay, I'm down with it. I was giving you the opportunity to play that, but it's okay. Uh, it's a zero for me. Um, I like the idea of backstage interview segments. You have Corey Graves, you have Caleb Braxton, you have Chuck, use them. You don't need Michael Cole there asking a question and then just waiting for the answer to end so he can give the prepared canned like response to that and then ask the next question. It's so canned. It's not natural at all. If you're going to do those segments, it's taped anyway. So tape it. And if it doesn't go well, tape it again, you know, or tape the middle question again or whatever the case, let them be normal, not robotic. It, you have Cole. It's almost like him saying like, it's boss time, but in interview format. Yeah, it's a big zero. Okay, you're right. You just you just nailed the, the point about why it sucks. Zero point zero. When you compare it to the greatest to do that, Jim Ross, do you, yes. you remember the very, very famous ones with Austin? There was something so real about it that there were many times that I was watching that and Austin would go off on him. And I'm saying to myself, "Okay, this is pro wrestling, which I know is fake. I'm 19 years old or whatever at the time. I know this is fake, but I'm not convinced Austin's not going to attack Jim Ross right here, right now. And he's selling it so damn believable that he's pissed. And Ross would do a great job sort of eating the thunder and being like, all right, all right, you know, and, and oh, man. You treat me like a dog and you expect me to smile. You remind me of a jackass. I mean, it's just a reminder of not, I don't necessarily want to say when times were better, but they were, but that's one reason why times were better because it was so real and raw it's not microwave michael cole yeah you nailed it okay cold suck you know cole you suck all right but have pat mcafee do it have booker t have do pat it. peterson have, do it yeah have, have jerry the king lawler do it have a like you know what you know what uh, espn and, and fox and cbs now frequently do pre-game for nfl they don't just go send out like their chief studio host to go do interviews they send players they send Deion sanders or Reggie Bush, or Tony Romo, or whoever, they send them out to go interview their peers. That's what I want to see. I want to see a Booker T do that style of interview. Fly someone in. Bring in Pat McAfee. Don't take Cole and just take him off commentary, presumably, for a minute. Have him go backstage. Again, it's taped. uh, And do this just stupid interview. Now, credit to Becky. She was great. And her promos during this entire build have been fantastic. And Sasha backstage talking with Bailey was good as well. 
you got to take the Michael Cole factor out of it. He's fine on commentary. I know people hate him, but he's even worse backstage. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Uh, Adam, Hero Zero, number four. Baron Corbin rocked a new look King of the Ring gimmick and continued his feud over two nights with the height-challenged Chad Gable. Hero or Zero? Uh, You guys know what I said before, King of the Ring. Stop with the stupid scepter and crown and, and everything else. I was wrong because Baron Corbin came out of the Titantron area looking like a million freaking dollars. That getup was fantastic. If you want to do King of the Ring and you want to continue the King gimmick and you give someone like Corbin, who certainly is the more tattooed rock and roll persona, the opportunity to do a King gimmick, like he would want to versus the purple robe and and the golden crown and the golden red scepter. Absolute hero. Corbin looks like a million dollars. He's rocking the King gimmick. It was a very smart move to put it on him, to give him the win. I told you guys I'd be okay if either he or Gable won. I, I stand by that. What I love even more than that is that Chad Gable didn't disappear. He was right back in the ring, you know, fighting with Corbin. Corbin needed to DQ himself Monday night. And then Gable goes Tuesday on SmackDown. Gable's on two shows in one week. He gets a win over Mike Kanellis. And now he's feuding with Elias, one of the hottest guys in the company, star-wise, in terms of, like, back-and-forth mic work. Absolute hero for Corbin, Gable, the King gimmick. Boom. Huge hit. You are a zero, my hero. No, I was a hero for everything you said. Nothing more to add to that. Let's roll on. All right, BC. Last but certainly not least, Kenny Omega in an interview about a week ago, and just to clarify, that's not only former IWGP heavyweight champion, but AEW executive vice president, said that NXT's top stars would be in dark matches on AEW. He called them developmental talent and not quote-unquote real stars like AEW has. It now seems like they're trying to spin that as he was being heelish in character, but this was in a normal interview from what we saw. People got pretty upset about it. So Hero or Zero, is he right? No, he's not right. Um, But I think it's a hero. Uh, Like I've said, if you're going to go down that road, go for it. And he is their number one guy. He's their best wrestler. He's the best wrestler in the world. I know he hasn't been put in spots to show it, but Kenny Omega is free. Like, there's, I mean, good, good God. None of you are on my level. Problem, of course, is Kenny hasn't been on his own level in a while. But yeah, it's true. Um, no, obviously that's not true. I mean, look, NXT is uh, arguably is the best talent in the whole world. I mean, at the very top end. Um, it's just interesting that this is getting so much, ish, I don't know, attention, I guess. And it looks like him and DiJack are now sort of trading would appear to be worked things to get each other's name over, which I'm not necessarily against either. I don't know. This just I, it hit me and it went past me. I was like, okay, he's going that direction. That's cool. Um, I'm not against either company taking shots at the other one or saying we are the best in the world. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what men do, Adam. Yeah, uh, I think he's wrong. Um, I do think a lot of NXT is developmental. I think AEW's biggest concern, honestly, is WWE's developmental brand, which they're not calling it that these days, they're calling it a third brand, might beat them in the ratings. And it kind of just, I know you don't like it when I say it and other people don't really like it. WWE's in their head. They really haven't done too much to get there. 
But everyone in, in AEW, from the Young Bucks to Cody to now Kenny, who I, I honestly thought Kenny was completely above it all, um, if WWE does anything that is a little bit irksome to them, it, they feel a need, they need to respond or make fun of it or whatever the case it's a zero for me. I just think it's not true. Now, if it was in character, that's a different story. I think the segment that he did on being the elite fake apologizing for this and then ripping people for actually believing he would apologize or that he didn't mean it. I thought that was great. That's typical. Great. Kenny, that's the guy I want, but this seemed to be in a normal interview in his AEW talent slash EVP capacity. And if he believes that, and if they believe that, they're going to be in trouble. You know what's interesting here is when we just talked about our excitement levels for AEW's weekly show, our kind of confidence in the brand moving forward, and we sort of met, mentioned the things of, you know, play to your strengths, play the hits. You do have the, you do have some amazing horses. Ride them. It's because Kenny Omega has allowed himself to get watered down lately, and I'm not again, I'm not like fully against it to a degree because. He sort of took a step back. He is a whatever executive, whatever that means. But, he, you know, he used some matches to get other people over. And look, until this weekly show happens to me, AEW is not really a thing. So with all that said, yes, we've kind of forgotten how great he is. He wasn't in the last G1. It's been a while since we've seen top shelf NJPW version of, of Kenny Omega. We've seen the wrong sides of Kenny Omega lately. We've seen the a bit do a do, you know, like, like, like the whole ending of that awful, um, mini pay-per-view they had. The boing. The, uh, the boing. Yeah. The boing, which is just awful. Okay. Goodbye. I, I actually forgot until we just did this one, who this guy really is. You know what he is, Adam? He's not just the best wrestler in the world. He's really freaking cool when he wants to be. Kenny F and Omega. Revisit some of his biggest Wrestle Kingdom entrances with, and now look, I know if you're not in the video game culture, and I'm not, so some of these go over my head or I don't jive with them. But look, when he had that run where he was coming out looking like the Terminator or he was whatever. There, I mean, look, he's one of those rare performers and individuals who captures your attention. Oh, my, like he has it but he has more it than almost anyone else you know in history i mean he the guy's got it i know not everybody loves his mic work i do when he's using his it um i just reminded myself when his promo when moxley got pulled from that match it's top 10 of the year right now and i just reminded myself that they have a chance here to make him cool again if they really want to like, yeah. he's not doing NJPW anymore. This is his bread and butter. Let's do it. Let's remind people what Kenny with the Bullet Club shtick. But can Adam, here's a question, though. Is the Bullet Club linked to NJPW uh, trademark-wise? No. So are we not going to see the mannerisms? Are we not going to see the attitude? I, I need, whether he's a babyface or villain, I need him to have the same swagger he had with the Bullet Club in 2017 when I fell in love with him. And I need him to have that. And if he has that on Dynamite, you got a pretty good chance alongside Moxley to trap viewers and make them care. Well, I think the cleaner was the version, and cleaner I got this. Uh, I think cleaner was the best version of Omega, at least that we've seen. And then he did the best bout machine type of gimmick, which was just kind of him buying into his five and six and seven star ratings. Um, but he was still great. I think we just kind of 
you, as you kind of said, we forget that this is the best wrestler in the world. I don't think he's the best promo guy in the world. He's really good. I don't think he's the best, but this is the best in-ring professional wrestler in the world. And for the last, you know, six, uh, sorry, how long has it been? 10 months almost. He's had like three matches. So he's the best guy in the world is not doing what he's best at. And the storyline they're giving him is of someone who's losing those matches that he isn't and cracking. And it's just like, this is not the best version of Kenny Omega that is being put forward. Now, like I said, promo on being the elite, that segment was pretty good. Um, he's entertaining. He's funny. He's a good character. But why don't you let the other guys take the shots at WWE and NXT? Because they actually are. The things they say, while also I disagree with them, um, it at least comes from a place where I'm okay with them saying it. I think of Kenny Omega as above the fray. And every time he tries to get involved or mention them, it doesn't work out well. It happened with his Twitter game, and it happened in this interview. But at the same time, he is arguably the best in the world, and he's turned down WWE multiple times. So if he wants to play into that, that's fine. He, he doesn't even to... say that, though. But that's what I'm saying. If he wanted to, and there's been times he said it a little bit. If he wants to play into that, like he I'm— He tells gonna... truth that he turned—you know, that he didn't go there. That's just reality. You play know? up but the does... artist thing is what I'm saying. Play up the I want control creatively. Yes. Play up that. But, you know, I don't know if you can play that up in a kayfabe setting. So, you know, whatever. We'll we'll see where that's going. Um, interview's over. Hero Zero's over, Adam. Okay? It's friggin' over. Do you have a feel spot this week, DC? I don't even think I do because wrestling didn't didn't touch me this week. It didn't put its hands anywhere. I mean, I did I pop for Otis holding up two issues of uh of the mandy rose maxim yeah i mean it was funny but um i was kind of actually turned off by wwe tv this week and again it's not that it was so bad it's just that i'm i'm worn down i need something edgy i need something new i need something hip maybe nxt tonight will 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 bring me back so two things for me one kabuki warriors got a tv win and got a massive reaction from the crowd so i loved that page wasn't there which wasn't great because i would love to see page but um they got a win that was really cool. And dude, the Street Profits new shirts. I, I don't know if you got a chance to see them. Yes. They are 1990s No Limit Records, Cash Money Records, uh, cover type shirts. My God. Like, I'm not going to go spend, you know, $27.99 or anything to get one. But I want one of those in my collection. And I don't know if I can wear it doing anything beside, beside like, landscaping around my house. You can't uh, wear it. Age, you cannot wear that shirt in public. At this yeah. age that I am these days, uh, that is something I would have worn in high school. But I want that shirt. It is fantastic. Go seek it out if you know what I'm talking about. You just reminded me of that line in White Men Can't Jump when Woody uh, talks to uh, Gloria and says, Honey, I don't think they allow white people in the Crenshaw district. I don't think you can <laughs> walk around with that shirt on, Adam. All right? Fair enough. All right. Thank you. Um, That's the end of the show. Okay. What's my feel spot that we're done with wrestling for the week? Okay. No, that's just kidding. Big things are to come. Let's get fired up for it. Let's find a spot in our heart to do that. Shout out to all our great listeners. You sent me a bunch of DMs this week. I didn't read any of them. I'm sorry. But uh, I care about you, you folks, you people. I love me some Bob Backlund at TalkBox. Great, man. I mean, Adam, do you have any listeners you like? Yes, yeah, a ton of them. I mean, I didn't actually get many Twitter replies this week either. Maybe that just speaks to... Raw and SmackDown not really being 
overly noteworthy. I so, got a lot. I mean, shout out to the Nick Flynn's, Rob Lopez, Mike Croglio, Bones at Not the Fake Bones. People are hitting me up. They're, they're, they want to talk wrestling. Hopefully, we tickled them in the right spot, and I wasn't just complaining. Nick I Nicholas got, well, Dominic. I, I, got, I got Ryan Eggleston, who specifically requested a WWE mock draft from us. I got some good news for you. There may be something like that right. coming soon. Also, Nicholas Dominic. Uh, and Dominic. Yeah, Kurtz. that dude hit me up too. Oh, but dude, this this our, our good buddy CJ Pierre at CJ Track One, a uh, longtime listener, is offering us beers in Arizona anytime we want. We'll take that out. Then we'd have to go to Arizona though. Uh, Arizona's fantastic. Yeah, it's a great state. Love it. I live in Florida. It's like the same, but yeah. drier. Ben Porges from uh, from Israel, I think we got. I mean, we got people. Uh, oh, Daniel Greer. Daniel Greer has been talking a lot. Ben Passer has been talking a yeah, lot. Yeah, these are our uh, folks. These are our people. Okay, all right. Lopez, uh, Rob Lopez. Any anytime anything happens in wrestling, tweets us. Let's. Rob know. Lopez is a great dude. He's offered to produce this show before, make graphics, make sound. But this, uh, we may have to just hire this guy to just run our shows moving forward. Oh, Love that guy. I believe, met him. I believe he is employed by one of our competitors. But that's met him in guy. person. He didn't take my my uh, didn't take any of my internal organs. Shout out to Trey Doherty. All of our oh Grump Handle Slam, my boy. Uh, he was in line at the greatest brewery in the world. He sent me a picture at Treehouse in Massachusetts in the woods. Those that know know. Um, Adam, how is home ownership? You got anything to tell the people? Uh, before I do, just two more. Jason Allen at Jaybird3452. Michael Sean, R-E-E-B82. Those guys tweet all the time as well. Homeownership is fine. I ran into like seven issues over last weekend when I tried to set up a pressure washer um, and my outlet was not strong enough to power it, which is fan-freaking-tastic. So, yes. yeah, it's one obstacle after another for the Silver King. Congratulations, Silver King. You played yourself. All right. Good luck yeah. to you oh, in the future. No, I, I am I am fully aware that I did BC. Uh the home folks, ownership rules. In the long run it rule. I mean I put I had a fire in the basement the other night. A good uh, in a fireplace in the basement. And uh and you know, just sitting back, the cold air I'm like, this is mine. I mean I kinda own it. I mean the bank owns it, but but it's just it's finally this is mine. I was a first time home buyer at like thirty nine, all right? Like it finally it's mine. All right. I'm not that I'm not, I, I'm far enough behind you to not be washed, but I'm not that far behind. I'm in a similar situation, but it's, you know, week to week, you find new things. And I'm not at the point where you are, where like most of it's done. I'm still at the part where like 70% of it still has to be done. So yeah. it is difficult, BC. But listen, folks, five-star reviews, wherever you get your podcast, particularly iTunes, we want them. One, two, three, four, five stars, nothing less. Uh, follow us at State of Combat on Twitter, at B. Campbell CBS, at Silverstein Adam. As we said, next week's show will be Thursday covering NXT going live for two hours for the first time on USA Network and the debut of AEW Dynamite on TNT. Uh, we will be before that Fox show, uh, SmackDown debuting on Fox. We will also have a preview of WWE Hell in a Cell. And then coming after that, we will have some future episodes of professional wrestling for you as well with a new state of combat schedule starting in a couple weeks, BC, anything else that you want to tell the people? Yeah, I'll be in L.A. this weekend for Spence Porter Big Time Boxing Pay-Per-View, Welterweight Title Unification. I know some of you speak that language. Check out our boxing show. Interviews with both of them. It's a great fight. You're not going to want to miss that. And uh, Sugar Rashad Evans, UFC Hall of Famer, breaking down on this week's MMA show about his comeback at age 40. Today is his 40th birthday. 
Wish him love on Twitter at Sugar Rashad Evans. We love that man. Uh, that's it. Oh, I'm also a big fan of Craig Perkendall. You know that dude at Willie Chuck Jr. Yes. Gives yes. a lot of thoughtful responses our way. Thank you to the listeners. Um, I love when, uh, when when things end good, you know? I love a happy ending. Wow. <laughs> what? Wow, Bobby. All right. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it for the show. So it's time to bid you um, adieu. We out.